what a great day to come and celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's come and pray and give thanks. Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning for this Resurrection Sunday. We thank you that we can come and we can give you thanks for all that you've done. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came into this world and you identified with us, that you died in our place, forgiving us of our sins. And as you've risen from the grave, now today we live in your eternal life. Thank you for this life and thank you for all we are yet to do in this life. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. You've heard a reading this morning from 1 Peter chapter 1. And I want to remind you what it says in verse 3. It says this, And all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, now we live with great expectation. The NIV says, living hope. And we thank God for the hope that we have today because of Jesus. What are the expectations? Well, one thing for sure is this. We know that we have forgiveness of sin because Jesus died on the cross. He was victorious over death, victorious over sin. And when we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we get the forgiveness of sin. Look, every one of us have done something wrong in our life. We probably have a catalogue of things that we're ashamed of, things that we feel guilty of. But when you come and you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, he will. And when he does that, you get freedom from your past. It's an amazing thing to wake up in the morning and know that you have a fresh start with Jesus when you confess your sin. Because he died for our sins, we now live in his righteousness. And because we live in his righteousness, that means also that we can have a relationship with Father God and we are in relationship with a holy God. The second thing is that when we come to Jesus, we come under his kingdom life, his kingdom authority, his kingdom rule. Do you know in our world today, there are many people that are calling out for good leadership, but we always have good leadership under Jesus. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He has always been here. He always will be here. He is the fountain of all wisdom. He knows everything. He knows how to put his hand just where it hurts. He knows how to guide us through his Holy Spirit. And we come under his kingdom rule and his kingdom authority. We also are a people of purpose and he gives us purpose. He wants us to be his hands. He wants us to be his faith. He wants us to have heart for the world the way he had a heart. And he wants us to share and continue to share that good news that other people also can come into this great grace under his great mercy and find new life in Jesus also. It's great to have purpose and we have that purpose through the Lord Jesus Christ. It reminds me of an old song, I serve a risen saviour, he's in the world today and he wants us to serve him and he wants people to know that he is alive in us and through us. And the one main thing about the resurrection is this, is the glorious hope that we will rise from the grave also because Jesus had victory over sin, sickness and death. And we have that promise because he rose from the grave, 
we will rise from the grave. There's day coming when there will be no more sin. There will be no more struggle. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more pain. There will be no more separation. And even those people that have died in faith, that have gone before us, we'll get to meet them again and have fellowship restored with those people that we love. And this hope comes because of God's mercy, because we are born again. And maybe someone's given you this video to listen to and you're maybe thinking to yourself, Stephen, I would love to have that assurity. I would love to have that hope. Well, you can. You might not know an awful lot about the Bible, but I'm sure many of you, if you've watched sport, you've seen this sign. Somebody at a football game holding up a card saying John 3 and 16. Well, John 3 and 16 simply says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And the context of this, and if you don't have the Bible, Google it, the Gospel of John chapter 3, is there's a Jewish ruler called Nicodemus who comes to Jesus at night time. And he says, I believe you are from God. And the reason he gave that, that he believed that he was from God, that Jesus was from God, was because he was doing so many great things. And he believed that only God could send someone who could do great and wonderful things. So here we see this starts a conversation. And Jesus says to this man, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. So if you want to come under God's rule, Jesus' rule, you need to be born again. And he explains it. He explains it to Nicodemus. It wasn't about a physical rebirth, but it was about a spiritual rebirth. When you ask for forgiveness of Jesus, Jesus will forgive you. And he tells Nicodemus there will come a time where he would be lifted up. And that meant the crucifixion. And through the death of Christ on the cross, you and I can get forgiveness of sins. When we acknowledge our sin, when we acknowledge that he can forgive our sins, then we can enter into his kingdom rule. We make him Lord of our lives. We can make the decision to ask him for forgiveness, but then we need to follow his rule for our life, come under his reign and come under his authority. But you know, the sad thing is, even when Jesus was walking on this earth, people denied his kingship. People denied his rule. People wanted to say that he wasn't who he was. People wanted to deny him his power and deny him his authority. You know, last Sunday, we worshipped and worshipped together and it was Palm Sunday. And we were given thanks for the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem. And, you know, as Jesus was riding into Jerusalem, he did that with conviction, knowing where he was going. The Bible said he set his face like flint towards Jerusalem. He knew he had to go there because he knew he would go to die for our sins. And as he was going there, the people were excited. They were pulling palms off the trees and they were laying him at his feet and they were shouting out, Hosanna. They were shouting out this word of adoration, of praise and joy, of thanksgiving, because they were acknowledging their king had come. The Gospel of John tells us that the people shouted out, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. But the sad thing was that a few days later, all of this changed. 
even though 475 years previous to this, a man called Zechariah prophesied that one day their king would come into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. This is what it says in Zechariah 9 and 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly riding a donkey, a colt, a foal of a donkey. But then we see less than a week later, he's standing before Pontius Pilate, this Roman governor, and he's being accused by people who were religious of the day, by causing trouble and really setting himself up to be a king in a country that was under occupation by or over people, Romans have an authority over the people and the people were in occupation. False witness, being accused. All of these things again were also prophecies that would centre around the Lord Jesus' death. Things like how his hands and his feet would be pierced. He would be offered gall and wine. How that the guards would, the soldiers would cast lots for his clothes and that not a bone in his body would be broken. And you know, the thing is, even in those few things that I've shared there, among the many that are given about the Lord Jesus' death, there are people that said that he manipulated and manufactured these things, but how could he have manufactured those things? They were out of his power. He was a promised king. Zachariah said he would come and he would ride into Jerusalem. He was a saviour king. He would be a king who would be crucified. And in Psalm 16 verse 10, that was written about 1,044 years before even Jesus came into this world, tells us, For you will not abandon my soul to soul, or let holy, your Holy One see corruption. Like the reference from Isaiah 53, verses 10 to 11, we see that it was prophesied in the Old Testament too, that Jesus would be a risen king, that he would rise from the grave. And Jesus himself, when he was walking with his disciples, he said to them that he would die and three days later he would rise from the grave. And yet the sad thing is, again, there are many who try to say that his resurrection was false. There are those that would say that, you know, they stole his body and they hid his body. Well, there's one thing about the Romans is this. If you were doing what the Romans told you to do, they looked after you well, they put up with you and they were fair enough. But if you ever came against the Romans and they saw any sense of being a rebel or revolting against them, they were tenacious. They would come down on you like a ton of bricks. If the body had been stolen, they would have turned Jerusalem upside down to find it. Other people say that Jesus sort of swooned on the cross and when they laid him in the cold tomb, he revived himself. But we know medics tell us today that with all the different injuries the Lord Jesus would have had, that when they laid him in the cold slab of that tomb, his blood would have collagenated and he probably would have had a heart attack and he would have died from his injuries. There are those that have said that in the account in the gospel that there was 500 people who witnessed to see Jesus in his resurrection body. 
And there's those who say that somehow they got themselves into such an hysterical state that they all said they saw the same thing. But again, studies have been done into those people who take drugs and like people who maybe were at a rave and many of them all taking drugs and it was fine that not everybody saw the same thing. Jesus rose from the grave. We're told that he would be a promised king. We're told that he would be a crucified king. We're told that he would be the resurrected king. But the Bible also tells us that he's a coming king, that he's going to come again. The book of Revelation, chapter 19, verse 10, tells us, as it is written, or that he will have, sorry, on his robe and on his thigh written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In Matthew 24, when Jesus was talking about his return, the disciples said to him, when will this be? And what's going to be the signs when you return? And here's some of the things that Jesus told his disciples. One thing that Jesus said that before he comes, that there would be many who would come and say that they're the Messiah, that they are the Christ. And over the years, there's documentation of many who have said that they're Jesus Christ, that he's returned and he's the Messiah. It's quite interesting in the middle of this virus, we have seen this sect in, um, over in South Korea and how that their leader has said that he is the returned Jesus and only he can interpret God's word, Lee Man He, and he leads the Church of Jesus, the Temple of the Tabernacle of the Testimony. But you know, friends, the Bible says that it won't be like that. When Jesus returns, every eye shall see him. You will know when he has come back to this world. The Bible also says that there will be wars and there will be rumours of wars. And again, people have said, but there's always been fighting. But since the First World War, there has never been so many wars recorded in our world. It talks about how that there would be famine and earthquakes. Just even last week, there was an earthquake in the Red Sea, 4.6 magnitude. I think it's every time we turn on the TV, we see more and more of these things happening in our world. The other thing that Jesus talked about would be that how his followers would be persecuted. It was reported last year, um, the 3rd of May 2019, by the BBC. The then um, Foreign Secretary Jeremy Hunt said that the persecution of Christians in our world today was at genocidal levels. It's estimated that one in three people are persecuted for their faith. And Christianity is the most persecuted faith in our world today. Mr. Holm went on to say that he felt the political correctness was stopping our world from doing anything about this. One of the reports, the main report, said that genocidal acts against Christians is exodus. And that Christianity faced being wiped out from some parts of the Middle East. His Royal Highness, the Prince of Wales, said that it was an indescribable tragedy that Christianity is now under such threat in the Middle East. I want you to come with me and read some more words from Matthew 24. Verse 36 says this. But about that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, it will only be the Father. 
As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day that Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill and one will be taken and the other will be left. The last Sunday we were all in church before lockdown, Susan, our worship leader, just said to me after the service, Stephen, wouldn't this thing with the virus just remind you of that song that talked about how a piece of bread would buy a bag of gold. It was a song written by a guy called Larry Norman and it was in the 70s. And he talked on these verses, a root song about these verses, about how Jesus would come, one would be in the field and one would be taken away. But it also reminded me of a song that was probably written about 40 years ago and it's called The King Is Coming. Now listen to the first verse, it says this. The marketplace is empty, no more traffic in the streets. All the builder tools are silent, no more time to harvest wheat. Busy housewives cease their labours, in the courtroom no debate. Work on earth has been suspended as the king comes through the gate. Oh, the king is coming. The king is coming. I've just heard the trumpet sounding and now his face I say, oh, the king is coming. The king is coming. Praise God, he's coming for me. Doesn't that first verse just sound like today? No more traffic in the street. All the builders, tools are silent. And we're living in really crazy days. But there's hope. The king is coming. The rest of the song goes on to say this. Happy faces line the hallways, those whose lives have been redeemed. Broken homes that he has mended, those in prison he has freed. Little children and the aged, hand in hand stand all aglow, who were crippled, broken and ruined, clad in garments white as snow. I hear the chariots rumble, I can see the marching throng. The flurry of God's trumpet spells the end of sin and wrong. Regal robes are now unfolding, heaven's grandstand all in place. Heaven's choir now assemble, start to sing Amazing Grace. Oh, the King is coming. And you know, friends, we are so pleased that the promised King came. We know he came to be that crucified King. We know he came to be our resurrected King. And he will also be our returning King, the King is coming. And in this passage of scripture, there is something that it talks about that we need to do as church. And it's this, we need to watch. We need to be watching for his return. And for those of us that have studied the series on the believers' crimes in church, we know there's a crime for those that will love his appearing. We need to be watching and waiting for his return. And this is what we need to do in this time. It talks in this passage that we need to remain faithful to God. In the last days, there will be those who will grow cold. There will be those who will feel the pressure of persecution. But the true saints will stay faithful. And if there were days to press into God, these are those days. We can use this time in our hands just to draw closer to God. 
It also talks about the analogy of his house. So therefore, we need to press into God's house, to the family of God. And that's why at this time we're asking you to, you know, ring people, to encourage people, stay close to the family of God. There's also here an analogy of serving. And the Lord wants us to keep serving him, serving one another. Remember, we are his hands and we are his feet. Is there a lesson here for you if you're not a follower of Jesus? There is. It's talking here that we should not be like those in the day of Noah. In the day of Noah, Noah was telling people, you need to get ready for the flood. You need to come aboard. And people ignored him so much so that it was only him and his family members went aboard that boat and everybody else drowned. Isn't it strange today how People can be warned about things, but they just don't take any heed. Even in what we're going through today, people are, you know, heading out of governments because they don't feel they've done enough, that they didn't listen to what was being said and what was going to happen. They didn't take the right precautions, maybe earlier. And in our country today, many people are being warned to stay at home, to protect the NHS, to protect each other, not to spread the virus. And yet it's recorded on TV how people have flaunted this and are, you know, going out and about and doing all the things that they were told not to do. And yet that's going to make it worse. We need to heed the message of the Bible. And over the years, people have not taken heed to the gospel. They've tried to say it's a fairy tale. It's not relevant for our day. I think we're living in days where we can truly see that God's word is up to date and is relevant as anything else in our world today. So what can you do? How can you make sure that you're ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? It starts, my friend, with repentance. It starts by asking the Lord to forgive you of your sin and becoming born again. And I wanna lead you in a prayer, a prayer that you can pray to start this a prayer that you can ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. And after you pray the prayer, what you need to do then is start living under his authority and under his lordship. Here's the prayer, pray it with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that you are the Son of God. I acknowledge that you died for my sin. Thank you for dying for me. Forgive me of all the wrong that I've done. Accept me now as your child, as I desire to follow you. Help me to draw close. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, and you mean that, I would love you to get in touch with us. You can do that by emailing us at contact at eastpointchurch.co.uk or going onto one of our social media platforms and messaging us there so that we can get in contact with you and give you some things to help you in your newfound faith. And what a day to give your life to the Lord Jesus. Easter Sunday, 2020. New vision for your life on this Easter Sunday. May the Lord bless you if you've prayed this prayer. And we would love to be help for East Point Church family. Keep worshiping. Keep faithful, keep the house of God close to you and keep praising God in the midst of it all. Keep serving him. 
May the Lord bless you on this day.